0: So that really paints a picture. I'm like, wow, Hogwarts, but stressful. Hi, all and welcome to Mugo's Corner. It's a show about learning to lead a life that feels more you in both your life and tech career. The show is live streamed on my YouTube channel and I'm happy to have you here with us today in the podcast version. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Mayuko Inoue, and invite you to come in, sit down, get cozy, and enjoy the show. Today we're talking about how to deal with pressure. We all encounter a high pressure environment at one point or another, whether that be at school, at the workplace, in your personal life, or wherever. They certainly challenge us to grow out of our comfort zone, but it can also be an unwelcome obstacle that we have to work through in life. So today we'll talk about coping with high pressure environments, how my guests and I work through them, especially as it pertains to growing up into adulthood through school and work and today our guest is will Yu. will is an instructor in physics at phillips academy a private boarding high school in andover massachusetts he studied biomedical engineering at columbia university and will be attending stanford university in the fall of 2021 to pursue a phd in bioengineering he's also an avid pc gamer and began streaming on twitch.tv in 2017 for fun now, Will uses his experience in education to stream thoughtful conversations around current events and finding success in her academic and personal pursuits. Hi Will, how are you doing and how has your week been?
1: Hello, I'm doing so well. Wait, Mayuko, can I just like um, fanboy for a second of how clean your YouTube intros are? Just like, oh, oh
0: thank a- you. <laughs> Chef's
1: kiss, Chef's kiss.
0: Everything um, takes practice. Like this is my eighth yeah. time doing it. The first episode, I was like, "Migos mm-hmm. Corner, hi." <laughs> so, <laughs> everything takes practice, but thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah,
1: it's awesome. I'm doing wonderful, though. It's been a long week. I I woke up and I was like, "Oh, it's Thursday." I feel like it was like Friday two days ago. It's, but we're getting through it. We're getting through it. I'm really excited okay. to be here.
0: Yeah, I, I feel the same. So this week has just been like, to me, like time is warped a little bit. Uh, and so I'm just like, it's Thursday. So tomorrow's Friday. So the weekend is in two days. Like, it's just one of those right. weeks, which I'm yeah. sure a lot of y'all have had during this pandemic, because time is warped. But it feels like things are starting to get back to normal. So it feels like things are starting to move back to where we were. A year and a half ago, which is crazy to think Mm -hmm. about. But Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're well. Thank you for being on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic today. Mm -hmm. We've actually like talked a couple of times already. I guess first and foremost, the way that Will and I know each other is that we both do um co-working streams on Twitch. And I think like we just randomly raided you one day after my stream ended. Because uh, probably one of my moms was like, this guy's streaming co-working. And I was just like, cool. And then we raided and it was like so wholesome. And I was like, this guy is great. I feel like I vibe with him so much. And we just kind of became friends after that. Woo. It was a very <laughs>
1: serendipitous uh, occasion. But yeah, I thought it was, um, it was amazing. And our, like in our first conversations, I already felt like, oh my goodness, this person is just so cool. I just want to like learn more Aww. about you and then keep talking. I feel like Thank we could kind you. of have a conversation like this go on for like much longer than an hour. So I'm 100%. glad that we have this this time cap to kind of keep ourselves focused.
0: <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I think like we've talked a couple of times, just one-on-one and like this topic kept coming up and we were just like, I feel like we were just like, like, I don't know, like vibing a little bit where we were just <laughs> like, oh my God, you've had this experience and I've had this experience. And I was just like, it's just so fascinating to hear your thoughts on this because we do have very different backgrounds. Um, and mm-hmm. we came up in different ways, but like we're finding in the work that we do currently there's a lot of truths that we are both agreeing on. And I feel like we yeah. have a lot of um kind of thoughtful conversations around that. So I mm-hmm. think without, you know, we've we've have we've had these people waiting for long enough. Should we just, we just do it? <laughs> we'll just get into it.
1: Dive into it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, I think first of all, um, maybe we dive into your background. Because I think the first thing that stuck out to me was just like, you have this degree in biomedical engineering from very prestigious university. Um, (laughs) And you're a physics teacher, a high school physics teacher. And like, I guess I don't really encounter people um, in, in who've had that path before. So I guess like, Tell me, how did you get into teaching? Like, I guess, how did you also get into biomedical engineering? Um, what is yeah. your background like? How did you get into teaching? And you're going back to school in the fall. So, like, kind of walk mm-hmm. us through that. Tell, tell us a little bit more about who you are.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess to get us started, I am um, a Korean-American born in San Jose, California. My parents actually met at UC Berkeley. They they immigrated from South Korea when they were um, when they were teenagers, so... Uh, when they had me and my older brother, they actually taught um, us English as our first language to kind of help us uh, fit in a little bit more with our other American peers. And so I owe them so much for uh, kind of getting me started on a, on a good foot forward. Um, I'd always liked teaching growing up, but I you know when I studied biomedical engineering at Columbia University, my idea was to go into medicine. And a lot of my peers, went into medicine because of all the parental pressure behind them to like you know you're going to be a doctor you're going to be a lawyer and you know we know the stereotype but um since my parents were a little bit more westernized i actually didn't get any of that pressure so i kind of reverse psychology myself into thinking aha because my parents aren't pressuring me to become a doctor i'm going to become a doctor and show everyone up (laughs) So, oh my gosh.
0: It's so, so funny I, how that happens sometimes, right?
1: I I bamboozled myself here, but I, I don't like my parents were happy as long as like I was doing what I was passionate about. I definitely loved biology and medicine. Um, and when I was doing biomedical engineering, I wanted to have kind of a an intersection of my love of biology and medicine with also being a pretty good like math and physics student and just like wanting to be able to solve problems. Rather than just memorize a bunch of different like Krebs cycles, which uh, God bless everyone studying for the MCAT right now. Oh God, (laughs) that was was a journey. So um, uh, I chose biomedical engineering to kind of combine those two, but also with a mindset of if I don't end up becoming a doctor, engineering seems like a pretty safe fallback choice, Um, and. I think that that mentality was was really silly now. You would think that biomedical engineering and pre-med, like there's a little medical in the name. You would think there'd be more overlaps in the courses, but oh God, it was way too many extra courses. Um, and I, I just was so jealous of the other, just like pure bio students out there, because I was like, um, I was so struggling with like six to seven courses a term. Um, and still somehow managed to game all the while through it.
0: The secret for me is
1: always <laughs> sacrificing sleep, I think.
0: Uh, um, yeah, it's it's one of those like, it's school or like hobbies and social life or sleep. Choose two yeah, is like the typical right. college narrative, right? And so right, you, you were right. like, I'm going to game and I'm going to study. Not just bio, but biomedical engineering. <laughs> Goodbye, sleep. Mistakes.
1: <laughs> Mistakes were made. But I graduated. And I enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, And I'm taking my MCATs now as I'm getting ready for med school applications. I've done like research and hospital volunteering on the side. And uh, during my application process, I realized that I hadn't really stopped to think, what do I want to be doing with my life? Because, oh my goodness, am I really going to commit myself to like the next whatever years of my life, just in like medical school, residency, so on and so forth. I was hearing so many different stories of how, you know, how hard it is in medicine um, and how much stress you have to deal. And one of my initial uh, reasons why I was thinking about medicine was like, hey, I've always been in high stress situations and I've always managed to survive them. So why don't I just do the most stressful job I can think of? And like, we'll be okay, right? (laughs) But like after graduation, I kind of told myself, you know, Will, have you ever like kind of thought about uh, a worthwhile, fulfilling career pathway that doesn't involve the most stressful pathway you can think of? And that's kind of how I ended up with teaching, where I was thinking, like, what do I really enjoy doing that like, makes use of my talents, makes use of my a- academic background um, that I've always loved? And I've always loved teaching, whether it's like teaching video games or teaching tennis, or um, you know, teaching my friends in, in bio classes and, and tutoring and TAing. So I uh, found this opportunity to teach at um, an independent uh, boarding school, one similar to the one that I went to. So I went to a school called Phillips Exeter Academy, which is this like hyper intense, we had to wear suit and tie for, for our classes. It was, I learned how to tie a tie through it, which was fun, but it was really intense. Um, And I thought I had this opportunity to teach at the rival school to my alma mater, um, Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts. And I thought like, oh, this is not only a cool way to kind of be on the other side of the aisle, but I'll have like a lot more empathy and relatability having gone through that process myself for the students. So that's how I ended up getting into teaching.
0: Wow. Uh, like, the as soon as you said, like, I wore a suit and tie to class stuff, I was like, this is the kind of like, school experience that exists on the East Coast. But like, is I've never encountered anyone uh, who's been through that experience on the West Coast. So that really paints a picture. I'm like, wow, Hogwarts, but stressful, sort of. <laughs> what I'm thinking yep, of. Yep. Yeah. Well, so that's really interesting. So yeah, you went to, I'm guessing, like, the school that you went to is also a boarding school.
1: Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Yeah. So then you went to a boarding school, like already a very highly competitive, high stress environment. You went to college and then you were like, let me do biomedical engineering, uh, not because my parents told me to, but because I felt like that was what I wanted to do. And then there was the reflection point where you were like, maybe I can step out of this like high pressure environment and then go into teaching. I'm curious, actually, if you could kind of like, Talk us, talk to us about that point of like, how did that, how were you able to realize that about yourself and how were, how did you like take the steps to, I guess, convert into teaching? Because I don't think, I, I think one of the things is like, as soon as you, as, as soon as something like that, like a high pressure work environment or something or a career mm-hmm. um, is such an important part of your life and like the way that you've done things, it can be really hard to identify that number one and then number two, to step out of it. So, like, yeah. I guess, like, how how did that happen for you?
1: I feel like for a lot of us that kind of grew up in high pressure environments or with a lot of academic pressure, you have to develop like a huge amount of grit and resiliency, which are great traits, of course, but they end up becoming, or at least for me, they ended up becoming a big part of my identity. And so mm-hmm. I felt almost like the sense of guilt of not working, not constantly working, not constantly, like, trying to achieve the next thing. Um, and so it took a little bit of, um, I like to call self-sabotage to figure out what it is that I actually wanted. So during my um, I've always kind of risen to the challenge. and I think that's uh, mm-hmm. you you get constantly hit with different hurdles and uh, and whether you procrastinate or not, you you kind of get tested, right? And a part of my identity that I've built was like, under pressure will, you make it through. But during this application cycle um, for medical schools, I just held on to my essays for weeks and weeks and months. And if anyone here knows the medical school process, all the admissions are rolling. So the longer you hold on to it, the more you decrease your chances. And I was just constantly just like decreasing my chances bit by bit by just holding on to it because I, I was I was scared to let it go and see what would happen. Because if they accepted me oh, boy, like, you know, I would end up going. And I was not quite ready to make that leap yet. So I kind of took that as a sign of my own, uh, like, psychology being like, hold up, Will, we're not ready for this yet. Like, we've been going 100 miles per hour for so long without like ever looking back. And maybe it's time for us to stop thinking about like the most efficient path forward. And actually, like, have some, um, like, take some time to reflect and think, what do you want to do, even if it's not something like super prestigious or something like that's an incredible achievement in the eyes of society?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it takes a lot to realize that. And I think it's, it's incredible that you were able to see that, like, you didn't beat yourself up about like, oh, my gosh, my medical school applications are just sitting there. And you were just like, this is a sign but my brain is telling me that maybe I don't really want to go to medical school right now. And like, maybe that's something that you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that's something that you can see now looking back on it. Maybe at the time it was very much just like beating yourself up about it or something like that. But like, it's a, it's a level of clarity that I think like once you collect some of those in Adult life, like when when you're making life decisions about yourself, like these Mm -hmm. really strong truths about who you were and who you want to be from now on come out. And I think like the high pressure thing is very relatable to myself and others because like the world is only is is only getting more competitive. Um, Mm -hmm. Certain industries just really don't have room anymore. uh, Certain schools and programs and stuff. And so there's like it's almost like you have no choice but to be in these high-pressure environments and be competitive and stuff. And so I, I wanted to talk about this because, like, and I wanted to have you on the show specifically because a lot of the people who watch my videos and all, all of you sitting at home watching this are probably college students um, who might be in these situations. And, like, like it's hard sometimes for me to – like, I, I went through that, but seven years ago, and I think the world looks different now. And I'm not going to pretend that I know what you all f- are feeling – But like, will will like talks to these young folks every single day about how to navigate that. So Mm -hmm. I think your experiences are just so like interest, not interesting in like the oh my gosh, like it's like it's like (laughs) I don't know, it's like a case study. But I just think it's like a very like good lesson to learn from, you know. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, I hope I can be a a good lab rat for this at least and
0: observe (laughs) my
1: my, my pathways. I yeah, yeah, I think that. Oh my goodness, having gone, um, you know, having a really recent memories of being in my student years as well as now always, you know, working with high school students and, and many of my students are 11th and 12th graders. So they're, they're nearing the end of their high school career. Um, man, schooling and pressure is just higher now more than ever. And I feel like every year it just gets more and more daunting, this pathway forward of mm-hmm. how much more exceptional do I have to be in order to stand out from this crowd? And uh, especially, right. uh, we know how important it is to have like a supportive group of friends um, that are uh, helping you through the academic pressure, the social pressure. But there's also it's like, you can't ignore the fact that all of you are still want to be successful, go to you know a, a good college if you can, and the competitiveness just uh, kind of wears away at you over time with this also existential threat of like. Uh, everything else happening in the world oh my god climate change what's going to happen um and i feel like we put so much pressure on our younger generation to kind of solve the problems of the older generation like like oh you're going to be our next leaders like don't worry like i can't solve climate change but maybe you can if you work hard um it's so much pressure. it's so annoying
0: when they do that too sometimes because i'm just like but y'all may the problem so like no one take the responsibility for a little bit because no <laughs> are sitting in those exec chairs and I'm still on my way up like
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no I feel that wow. a lot yeah and especially now that I have been teaching online for the majority of this past year with the COVID-19 pandemic um I think that there's been some like incredibly difficult challenges with this pandemic especially uh, for students and teachers But I've also found some silver linings through it that I hope um, we can kind of keep in mind as well. And but first of all, I think without a shadow of doubt, if you're a student right now, oh my God, I feel so, all of my empathy goes out to you. It is so, so hard because even though you might have more time to dedicate to your work, it's like you don't have a break between school and life. It's just like all consuming. I feel like there's always this guilt of, I have this extra time. Should I be doing more? And maybe it's easier to take a take home exam rather than those in-person exams. But when everyone else is doing so much better and there's so much, it's so much harder to have that intrinsic motivation uh, to get yourself to do work when you're just, you know, constantly at home. uh, It is so hard to be a student right now. Um, and yeah. I've definitely seen that from the teacher side in so many different aspects, not just academically, but I think a lot of our academic needs or to thrive as students also come socially with being able to have like our friends to support us through even those like seeing each other in your classrooms before you like. Open up your laptop to just you know mess around on Facebook during your lectures. Even that is like a helpful you know experience to just keep you a little bit motivated along that pathway. Like that there's you know people along you on that path, and it's easy to kind of forget uh, or lose sight of those people that make your journey worth it. So
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, man, it's hard being yeah. a student right now. It is, and I I think it's just like every time we've talked together about like just your work and just where the world is at and what young people have to encounter every day. I mean, this is, this is going to be like me fangirling to you, but I'm just like, man, (laughs) am I glad that Will students have Will as a teacher? Cause I think like, you know, when you're growing up and you're going through elementary, middle school, high school and college, it's the professors and teachers um, that really help you through that to really try to understand what you're feeling. And then also try to, kind of just guide you and coach you through these things all the while still dealing with like curriculums and state standardized testing and stuff like that. Um, like those figures are just so important. I think, like I know that there are teachers in my life that I'm just like, if I, if I didn't have this experience with this teacher that who really Mm -hmm. believed in me, I probably would have just been such a different person. Cause you know, at that age, everyone, everyone is like, so, like uh like everything is a sponge like they're absorbing everything like a sponge and so if there is one teacher who can really help you to feel like like you're gonna be fine and kind of coach you through all of that and help you work through those things without necessarily even putting you in high pressure environments um like i i I don't know to me i'm just like oh the world's a little bit better because will's teaching
1: (laughs) high school students about how to like come into this world so (laughs) (laughs) that's so sweet of you well, also, reason- I, I kind of want to, oh, yeah. oh, go ahead. Go for it, go for it.
0: Oh, no, I was going to I was gonna ask you a question to related to that, but no, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say 100% of the reason, like, why, what I was thinking when I was getting into teaching was, what would be the point of teaching if, like, I would be a teacher that I wouldn't wanted to have as a student? So, like, uh-huh. one of my biggest guiding, com- like, my guiding compass was be the teacher that you wish you had as a student. Mm. And like the crux of that was that, you know, I was already a pretty motivated student and a lot of the students at my school are like really highly motivated already. So it's not like adding more onto their shoulders. It's being a little bit more empathetic of understanding that school isn't everything that I wish I had some teachers that allowed us to take more mental health days or if I needed an extension because I spent the entire last night talking with a friend that was in a rough spot. Like I can like for my students, I can be like, oh, my God, thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a good friend, Um, because that's a priority that will take you so much further in life than then re- prioritizing your own like schoolwork over your friend's mental health or and your mental health for that matter. So I just right. wanted to have like my, my real guiding guiding principles be uh, one of like empathy of understanding how hard it is to be in that situation and just extending a little bit of flexibility on that route to make people feel like there's someone supporting them as well that someone wants them to grow and learn, but doesn't want anything to be sacrificed for that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. Because I I think like looking back on the experiences I've had, where I've been in high pressure environments, like it, it, it is hard to see that, I guess, because like, to me, a high pressure environment happens if it feels like something is just at there's just such high stakes in whatever you're doing. And like Mm -hmm. some people develop like legit performance anxiety because like you have to perform at your best and you have to like meet a certain metric or a bar or pass a test or something to feel Mm -hmm. a certain way, you know, whether it means like you're able to get to the next stage in life or you get validation from yourself or others or something like that, that I think, especially in those like really delicate times when you're just, in high pressure environments, having someone who can like really empathize with you and relate to you and just like kind of treat you like a human, I guess. <laughs> yes, totally. like, I, like I think the highest pressure environment that I, I mean, especially academically related is just like, yeah, going through college for computer science, my class yeah. sizes were so big. They were like, at the smallest, it was a hundred people. And, mm-hmm. um, in the lower div classes, there were always like 500 or something. And so to a professor and anybody else, you're just like a number that gets a certain score. Mm-hmm. And so like, I remember just being like, nobody cares uh, other than people that I like, my parents and my family, obviously and my best friends, if like I get an mm-hmm. A or not. Um, yeah. and it just feels very weird because then you're just like, I'm just trying to like optimize for this number. And then it can be hard to, see what it's all for or what it's going to like amount to, I guess, because school, sometimes it can be really hard to like, see why, like, why do you study cellular biology? If you've never, if you don't think you're going to have a career in biology, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know, to me, I know I'm kind of rambling a bit, but like, I think to me, it's just high pressure environments just become this like really weird, chaotic mess that can also, really highlight certain things about the human condition um Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. the and i kind of want to get into just like because you've had this experience of being in high pressure environments in multiple stages even diving into high pressure environments yourself (laughs) and now Mm -hmm. being a teacher like Mm -hmm. one of the things we've connected a lot on is like how that has informed your work as a teacher Um, Mm -hmm. and like I don't know exactly like how to frame this quite yet because at the mm-hmm. end of it, I feel like people are just going to be like, so Will, can you, can you be my teacher? Cause you've got it. You, <laughs> That's you know, the highest but, like, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping through this, you can kind of share a little bit about like, like for people who are in high pressure environments in school, mm-hmm. um, in work, whatever, like how, like, how do you guide people through that in your, in your teaching?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think you know, Michael, you had an earlier stream about like how to negotiate, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, something that I took from that is this idea of like how to make sure that you're playing on the same team with like your your peers or mentors. And as a teacher, um, sometimes I get asked questions like, how do you get, you know, some of like your students motivated? Or what happens if like your students aren't behaving, right? Like does the cool teacher act have to drop when when there's like chaos in the classroom? And the, what I've found to be so effectful, uh, effective, effective is like convincing your students that you're all on the same team here. And I feel like as a student, sometimes I felt like I was like battling against my teachers. I was trying to fight them, right? And like, no, I deserve this grade, right? No, like look at this problem that like you marked wrong, but didn't I do this? And it was like constantly a battle. And you were always like trying to scope out the competition of which teachers like were more lenient or not. And as a teacher, what I like to do is just let my students know that, hey, you know, I'm just a, a guy that like has his job, just like you, right? Your job is to be a student right now, my job is to be a teacher right now, and my job charges me to teach you something useful. What do I wanna teach you? Right now, if I had to think about it, pedagogically speaking, I don't think the physics I teach you is the most important thing that you'll keep in this class. And I try to set our ex- expectation at the same and that, The reason why I love teaching physics is because you're not just memorizing formulas or doing things that you'll forget about. Like, of course, you'll probably forget about like your kinematic equations or Newton's laws or things like that. But what you won't forget is building your skills of solving problems on your own. And I like to tell my students, like, this is my goal for you, that I understand that, oh my goodness, is it gonna be boring and dry sometimes when you're like, what is the point behind this? But that can be the point. That can be your, your, your compass, right? To know that even when you're struggling, even when you're succeeding, you're constantly working on enhancing these problem solving skills that'll be useful for you in your entire life, no matter what discipline you end up in. And that I'm here to try and get you to success. So you don't have to fight me for success. I really want to help you in any way possible. And I think having that mentality allows hopefully my students to feel a little bit more empowered that uh, mm-hmm. I don't have to, um, uh, that I don't like just have to be going through the motions like some other classes of just like getting through to the end, that they can actually really enjoy our journey together and try and have like actually some fun in our class. <laughs> Imagine that. class.
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I know <laughs> definitely it's, yeah some of the teachers are really good at that and some teachers I just mm. like do you know what fun is because I don't <laughs> have any of that here in class so that died so that funny. muscle that
1: fun muscle died 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah Sad. no but
0: I think what you're talking about is so pertinent because like I mean the whole like you're it's not you versus the teacher sort of thing It's and it's not you versus even your peers because you know like in college especially a lot of Um, engineering and science classes are like graded on a curve which literally means that you're compared against the performance of your peers and you're given a b c d f grade based on that like Mm -hmm. as i've you know left college and had more space to think about it i'm just like oh i wish i didn't i wish schools didn't do that but also Mm -hmm. like I, i i don't understand all of the pedagogy and like the all of that like how that comes to be but Mm -hmm. i could choose to not think of my classmates as rivals um, Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. this evil force that i have to defeat um because like Mm -hmm. this reminded me of just like one of my regrets in college is not making more friends during college i guess just because like Mm -hmm. i don't know about you but like in engineering it's just like it's sink or swim all the freaking time and sometimes like sometimes really great friendships are forged because you spend Mm -hmm. until 5 a.m. at night in the labs like coding stuff um but like (laughs) i had like a couple of those friends like a good group of them through student orgs but everyone else i was just like why are you so good at what you do and why can't i be good at it Mm. and i regret Mm. that because like it's a very like i think it's kind of like a negative reinforcement, like scarcity mindset kind of thing um and i think this plays into your second point of just like like Sometimes it's not just about the physics that you're trying to learn, but there's actually these bigger things at play. I think you mm-hmm. can choose to think of the world in this plentiful, like surplus mindset of like, you have, you actually have a lot to gain from whatever you're doing because mm-hmm. everything is a learning experience. And so, even if you don't necessarily like feel like you're going to remember these physics equations 10 years from now, like you yeah. do, it, I think once you realize that you do have something to gain, that you do have. Um, other skills that are not obvious to Mm -hmm. learn there then it becomes way less stressful in my opinion because then it's just like oh life is amazing like the whole point (laughs) of going to school is to learn and to change your brain be exposed Mm -hmm. to different things and it's a hard mindset to keep probably in your brain because everything Mm -hmm. is stressful but Maybe that's just discipline of like thinking things in a learning mindset or whatever. But I don't know. What do you think yeah. about that?
1: I totally agree with you. I think that the it's really hard to have that mentality in the moment, right? Of uh, I'm so grateful to be learning when there's like, oh, there's so much pressure to, I have to do well for my, my college transcript. I have to do well in college for my, my job applications. But I think um, something that I try to... Shift the culture on when it comes to these learning uh, environments is uh, less emphasis on how quickly you pick up a, a topic, because I feel as though our modern education system like is only designed to reward people that learn things fast. And of course, that's an amazing skill to have. And you know, grades were invented in the first place to rank students off of each other. To um, but. I think the more we can try to understand the value of education as not just a means to the end of sorting people into their their proper prestigious job opportunities later on, but um, to uh, kind of just have that that growth mindset of you're Mm -hmm. continually kind of improving yourself. I think something that I try to de-emphasize is only rewarding with grades the people that succeed really quickly. Um, because as we know that sometimes, uh, it just takes you a little bit more time to get an understanding of something. But if you spend that more time with it, chances are, you'll be like that much more passionate and able to like explain this to, to others as well. Um, and so one of the biggest, uh, kind of push things I've been pushing for as an instructor is more flexibility, especially when it comes to extensions. And or retakes of exams. And obviously, there is um, a good study habit to build of not always being uh, having like a, a a fallback option of a retake for an exam. there's There's definitely some merit towards having a, a one-time exam that you really have to prepare for, dealing with that stress, seeing if you can succeed. But I feel as though, you know, I, i'm I'm ambivalent about my own experiences because obviously, pushing through those challenges gave me a lot of resilience and grit and good study habits. But I also don't think it has to come at the expense of all these other brilliant minds that might just take a little bit longer to get to that same point, but maybe could do it even better in in many other ways. Um, And so, yeah, I just think about how uh, if we were to give more incentives to take our time and learn something fully, I hated that those times like when you would get like a really bad grade early on and there was nothing you could do about it and so the rest of the course kind of felt hopeless because like i Mm -hmm. even if i like completely excel i'm still gonna have like a subpar grade to show for it and that and uh and it really just sucks your motivation away um and so i would prefer to not you know Use grades as a punishment for someone that just takes a little bit longer to grasp a material, but instead incentivize even after your first run through going back to the material and trying to get a better understanding of it. So,
0: yeah, definitely, that's one of the things that I'm always just like, like as an adult, I'm like, of course, everyone has different learning styles and learning paces mm. because like it's literally just like learning is about how do you take information that's out in the world and make sense of it up in here but there's so much information out there and everyone's brains are different and the way that we perceive the world is so different that like standardizing or comparing one to the other in a very kind of like uh just numbers way um it feels overly simplistic to me and like now that I think about it like I don't know, not saying that, like, I shouldn't have worried so much about grades back in the day. But it's just like, I think I wish I had that perspective where it's just like, Mm -hmm. this is the metric that the school system has decided on how to measure success. I should know or not. I should know. But I do know that there are other metrics of success. But it's not like I also don't think that it's like I would have I would be where I am today if I was just like, so like forget about grades I don't care about grades anymore no nothing even matters because to me I'm just like at the end of the day there's still these institutions that exist Mm -hmm. that speak the same language like Mm -hmm. from high school to college you give them your GPA Um, there's SAT tests maybe I don't know what the state is for SAT tests anymore because it keeps changing and stuff too but like you know stuff like that there's these institutions that help translate what's really ambiguous about learning and education and someone's success and the way that and in describing someone and putting it into simplistic views but it's Mm -hmm. there so that we can try to make sense of the world but if i Mm -hmm. had that perspective um i think i would have just been like this is a way to succeed uh and then it kind of takes off the pressure where it's not just like if you don't have a 4.0 you're not going to succeed ever because that's that's definitely not the case you know
1: Totally. Yeah. I think that's something that I I want to make really explicit is that there is one one uh this is one pathway to success, but there are so many different pathways to get a fulfilling life. And just yeah. thinking about like our um involvement in content creation now in this like creative world, that it like really has no impact what our grades were in, in high school and college to become like a YouTube or a Twitch streamer or to have all these creative past, uh, um, passions. And like the world depends on creatives, right? Like all of yeah. the shows we watch on Netflix, all of the things we do for entertainment, all the things that kind of give beauty and color to the world are all made by creatives, but we still kind of have this mindset that the only um like the the, Guaranteed way for fulfillment is like a steady job in some industry that where you like provide some value to society that is tangible. But like artists are incredible. And and if without artists, like boy, boy, life would suck. Right. So I try and like let my students know that so well. Right. Like your your grades will, will be a wonderful way to give you a one pathway to success. Fulfilling life, and I think it's really fulfilling being able to do, you know, science or research or study mathematics or philosophy, and those are wonderful pursuits. But also, like, there's so many other things that you can do with your life without that don't doesn't require you to be good at school. That I'm not going to suddenly start treating you like a, a lesser than because you do less well in my class, right? And if you're not doing well in the class, I'm obviously going to give you ways to try and succeed in this modality because obviously I think skills in this, you know, in the academic world can translate all over as well. But at the same time, like, you don't have to have too much pressure on your shoulders there because even if like the academic route isn't the right route for you there's so many other pathways pathways to a really meaningful and satisfying life i think our parents were so worried about us like surviving not starving on the streets that i think like very culturally we feel that like kind of pressure to have our value dependent upon like our finances later on and if we're having a very financially stable job but I think there's a huge kind of countercultural movement, especially in like AAPI um, younger generations, mm-hmm. to be more creative, to rather than just survive, to thrive, to live. Um, I think there's something kind of beautiful about that. That I want to um, express to my students as well, and, and start to shift this narrative that you know, even though obviously you are very academically strong to even be in our school in the first place, that doesn't have to be your your what you um, what you die by that there's still so much right. for you to discover and uh, and take some time to, to figure that out. So like a silver lining I think of the pandemic is that it's given so many people so much time, more time than they probably would want for introspection. So like my gap year mm-hmm. experience of like when I realized that, oh God, medical school wasn't the right pathway for me, not yet at least. What do I want to do? I feel like so many more people have had that chance to be like, oh, my God, like, I am not enjoying school right now. That could potentially be a sign to also explore other aspects of yourself. And, I, you know, definitely uh, get doing well in school gives you a very solid foundation for, you know, financial stability and financial stability is a great way to keep your mental health also in, in good standing as well. Um, so I would never, you know, encourage you to just drop all of your classes and be like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to become an artist. And none of this matters anymore. Just leave school. Like school is a wonderful backup plan <laughs> to keep on. And succeeding in that, uh, in that space will be so applicable in other spaces as well. But you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into that is my only pathway to success.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's the the kind of thing that's really hard to see, I think, until you're out. But it's also even when you realize that there is inherent fear, I think, in actually taking that step. Because you've reminded me, there was like a point in high school or college or something like that. And I remember some adult somewhere asked me like, oh, do you like science or the arts better? Which... Number one, I hate that they get juxtaposed as like verses um, to, yeah, to begin yeah. with. But I remember saying, I was like, I like science and math classes better because I know that there's a right answer versus like English and humanities and arts and stuff. There isn't a right answer. And that used to really scare me. Um, yeah. And so I, I I would opt, like, I mean, that's why I became a software engineer. That's why I did computer science because it always felt like there was a right answer. And I wasn't ready to live with that level of ambiguity. Um, But I think ever since I started YouTube and doing content creation, I'm just like, isn't it so beautiful that there isn't a right answer? And like, it took me a long time to get there. And there's a lot of fear involved with being like, oh my gosh, there's no right answer in life. Like that, I think is a huge realization to like come Mm -hmm. to on your own to begin with. But once you embrace that, like so many beautiful things can happen. So I love that, like the way that you see your students and the way that you are quite literally cultivating like the next generation is just to be yeah. like you can do like you do you you do whatever you want to do and you're completely mm-hmm. valid in that and doesn't mean that like yeah. anyone is better than the other and i wish i wish you had more people like you in the world like that cuz i no. think that's an incredibly important message yeah.
1: i think there like our n- new generation shares a lot of like my ideas in in trying to think with a wider perspective of like what is possible in the world i think though the big fear is of failure still though, of like, yeah, I yeah. do enjoy creativity. I I can see these people that are successful in this space, but like, what are my chances of becoming, you know, a Twitch streamer as my full-time job or a YouTuber as my full-time job? These are my passions, filmmaking, but how do I make a career out of that? Something that like, lets me be financially stable. Um, And man, is that a, a challenging question to hit because of course, creation can be a a wild space of um, unpredictability and definitely a little bit more like knowing that you're gonna make rent payments every month and have food on your table is like such a huge part of your physical and mental health, right? So I definitely recommend, you know, everyone to have like strong fallback options or to pursue creative um, avenues if they know that they have uh, like a safety net behind them. That I, I think that mm-hmm. taking certain like calculated and measured risks are much uh, safer um, than uh, just kind of putting all your eggs in one basket and just going for it. But even with that mentality, even with like the should I drop out of school to pursue my career in music, there's a cool, um, I feel like there's a really, really um, satisfying and comfortable thought that even if things don't work out, I can always return back to school. Mm. So there, I think yeah. that, um, of course, like we all know that all the data shows that having a like a college degree will make you that much more hireable in the job market. And I think it's a wonderful investment to make, of course. Um, and if you can pursue your creative pursuits while doing like having a strong, Um, Like completing your college to set yourself up, that will allow you to have less of those moments of turmoil where you're like, "Oh God, is this not working out? Like, am I going to starve for the next month? Who do I have to ask for for support? Do I have to move back in with the parents to, to to help that?" I think it would be it's really, really I think a great idea to try and give yourself enough fallback options. And I think full-time content creation before you're established is so stressful as well that I that I know I couldn't do it. Um, that if if I did just like full-time streaming, then like I would suddenly lose my love of streaming. I, I think mm-hmm. um, right, so. right,
0: yeah, definitely. It's, it's kind of a sense. tricky. Yeah. yeah, it's a tricky thing to definitely navigate, uh, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. for sure. And I think, yeah, I mean, I I know that I've gone through my whole like wave of emotions going through all of that as well. But I am gonna move us actually into Q and A. I think honestly, yeah, <laughs> we could, good. this is why we could keep <laughs> talking forever because there's so many things for us mm-hmm. that we like mm-hmm. relate on. Uh, and I love these topics. And so maybe at some point we'll have you back on to talk about some of these like fear of failure sort of stuff actually. Yeah, happy um, to. <laughs> But thank you all. Thank you so much for like talking all about that. Hello, it's me again. I hope you're enjoying the episode. I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this episode, my YouTube members. That's right, I have a membership program right on YouTube, if you didn't know, where folks get access to the recording of the live stream, emojis to use in the comments and chat, a merch discount and more. My members directly support the work that I do as a content creator and make Muko's Corner possible. You too can become a member today by clicking the join button on my YouTube channel, which is linked in the show notes of this episode. Now, let's get back to the show. Um, actually, the first question in our q and I think is sort of related to this, as we're just going to dive into this, um, is from Joseph Lee. He asks, or they ask, or she asks, how do you deal with fear of your future, even when it seems like you have it all figured out? So I'm guessing this is like, even when you feel like everything is fine and you have everything figured out there's still fear. So how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, it's kind of unnerving when you like have this nice clear asphalt road ahead of you that you're driving on, but you see like you're looking left and right and you see people taking all these wild pathways and you tell yourself like like I've been driving on this road for so long I can see the road ahead of me, but is this the right road I'm supposed to be on? man, that's a good question. I feel as though uh, at some point in time, you kind of just have to take a leap of faith and and say that, hey, even if this is the wrong path for me, or if I discovered later on that I want to do something different, to give yourself the flexibility of being able to kind of pivot to just something else. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'm entering uh, PhD programs for bioengineering, and some of the, like, every grad student says, pick research that really interests you that's like you're really passionate about because otherwise your five years of research going to be miserable if you're doing something that you actually don't like doing and so here i am thinking like oh my god but how do i know which one i'm like perfectly passionate about right maybe i'm maybe i'm passionate about this but maybe there's something else that I'm, i'd be more passionate about and good some good advice i got on that was you know definitely look around don't tunnel vision too early on But at some point, you just got to pick something and go with it and give yourself the flexibility to later in your career to be like, hey, I want to do something else and allow yourself to do that. So kind of like Mayuko, the way that you did tech and you allowed yourself to pivot, I don't think you intended to do YouTube like when you first started, but it's you kind of gave yourself the the ability to change when you felt uh, kind of that ability to do so. And so I yeah, think that definitely. to do some of that anxiety, just like kind of just have to go for it. Take the leap of faith, knowing that later on you can change. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that leap of faith, as I've done more and more of these jumps, I'm realizing you do the leap of faith, but more like, and when you do it, you feel like you know what's on the other side. Like you know of like, like that this is the failure case and this is the success case. But more often than not, I realize once you make that leap of faith, there's actually so many other ways that it can play out that you've never realized. And you just don't know until you make that jump. And so it Mm -hmm. is hard to make that jump, but like, I think it's just like things will happen the way that they happen. And even if they, even if you fall flat on your face, it's such a good lesson learned about who you are or about how the world works or anything else that you're going to bring that with you to your next journey. So Mm -hmm. I never think of it as a loss but I definitely Mm -hmm. honor the fear of just like, there is fear there. It is scary, Um, but if you don't do anything scary in life, yeah, Mm
1: -hmm. yeah. There's this huge desire to kind of be on track with your peers, right? I feel like there's Mm -hmm. a, like you see your friends like getting married and then having kids and these milestones in your life of like, when you have a career, I feel like there's always this pressure of like, all of my friends have left me behind. Um mm. and getting kind of lost. But I think that there's something undescribably valuable about taking more time to get to some place. Because I think just as you were saying before, like even those failures of falling flat on your face helps teach you so many things that makes you that much better to at succeeding when you reach whatever kind of goal that you're aiming for. So um, my brother is a wonderful example of this. Who spent, you know, nine years completing his a bachelor's degree in engineering with like plenty of switches and pivots and and breaks from school to do jobs and and community college and and now he's working at NASA. And it's like, okay, like you can take more time along the way, and at some point you can release yourself of that burden of like keeping pace with everyone else because life's a marathon not a sprint
0: yeah 100 um i think the next question is sort of related or to this topic but it's from paul kim um how do you make decisions in the moment when stress when stressed from trying to plan out the future makes your mind foggy and makes you feel stuck in a rut
1: oh my goodness what a great question so basically the
0: yeah, the stress is just like making your mind foggy and you feel
1: yeah. stuck
0: in a rut and how do you make decisions around that? It's a good question. Take
1: a shower. Take a nice long
0: shower.
1: <laughs> not not yeah. actually meaning um I there is a wonderful um uh, stress and uh an anxiety um psychologist that came to our school and one of the ideas that really resonated with me is how do you like make decisions or get started on the things that you know you have to do when it just feels like so overwhelming and you know you have to do it there's still this huge like block to your motivation um sometimes we have just like way too many mental tabs open in our mind because mm. i'm thinking about like this assignment and that assignment and this assignment and that friend. And, you know, I'm supposed to be like caring about my extracurriculars and my family and there's just way too many things in our mind. And what can be helpful is sometimes uh, having really low intensity distractions where you just Mm. allow your brain to get focused on something, but it doesn't have to concentrate really hard on it. So, you know, when people say shower thoughts, like we come, we get all these cool sh- thoughts in the shower because, like you can focus on just like the the water on your skin. and it's like it doesn't take much brain power. and it, and it, you start closing some of those mental tabs in your mind and opening yeah. up more of your like mind to be able to think about these things. Um, taking out like a a walk outside without like any music playing, where you're just kind of taking in surroundings, like of course, you kind of have to be attentive, but not super attentive. And it gives your kind of mind time to rest and recover. So like, you know, some yeah. stress and anxiety are good, right? Like when you're weightlifting, you wanna make sure that you're not just like lifting the easiest weights because then you actually grow when you stress yourself out. But you need some time to rest and recover. Otherwise you're just gonna hurt yourself. And it kind of sounds right. like um, that with your mind so foggy from the decisions is because you haven't had time to actually rest and recover. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think like, honestly, just, giving yourself like kind of low intensity distractions um, to like physically feel something different and uh, give your mind time to close some of those mental browsers can be really helpful. I think like fully immersive distractions, like like YouTube or gaming or streaming, or um, they're great when you're trying to get yourself out of like a worry loop, when like you need just mm-hmm. a fully immersive distraction. To like, I'm in a bad mental space right now. Let me just like get myself to a better place before, you know, addressing some of these things. But that doesn't solve any issues and, and it can keep more tabs open, right? So actually, I think it's like those really like just simple things like taking a shower, getting yourself a good meal, low intensity distractions can be helpful to kind of clear up more That's brain amazing. space.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love the the way that you put like mental tabs open because it literally evokes this image of me like on my computer where I have so many resource intensive literal tabs. And my computer has fans going, it sounds like it's about to take mm-hmm. off. And yeah, you can not yeah. use your computer anymore, because it's just locked up with everything that's going on. And you haven't closed anything out. And so, like you let it like in 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 those times, you figure out what is the like. Luckily, we have like the activity monitor; you can actually see what (laughs) takes up the most. Force quit. (laughs) Yeah, and unfortunately, life doesn't have that. But I think, yeah, but I think (laughs) we can develop methods to identify like what is really resource intensive but shouldn't be, and what Mm -hmm. is actually locking everything up. And like, yeah, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to like close your computer and just like go take a walk and then come back and then just be like, oh. CPU figured itself out. Like they're not battling for resources anymore. Um, they're not like, and in, in the mental picture, it's like it's not battling for your mental space or your emotional energy yeah. Yeah. or whatever anymore. Like at the end of the day, yeah, we all we all have so many things to do in life because life is complicated. Um, yeah. But like when things like lock up with each other. It's hard mm. to get it all done, but sometimes we still have to get it all done. So yeah. if we can just yeah. give ourselves the flexibility to slow down, like like ground ourselves and then close it one by one and address them one mm-hmm. by one, I think, yeah, it's an effective way of doing that. Completely. Cool. Um, next question. Actually, this is our last question from Jess Assam okay. Ray. Apologies for butchering names. Um, how do you keep your students interested in learning? I think this is interesting. I, I wanted to ask you this one because you know a lot of students end up being tutors for other people too, um, mm-hmm. and I think like teaching as even if you don't do even if you're not doing that as a profession, it's a skill mm-hmm. that I think comes like in handy in so many different ways. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that be like you're teaching your student how Newton's laws physics work, or yeah. you're teaching like a friend, uh, like not to get into these bad relationships and they're just not motivated <laughs> to do so. Like if, to me, I read this question as like, how do you keep your students, how do you keep anybody like motivated and how do you teach somebody in a way that gets them to really like absorb the material, I guess? Mm. Sorry if that's not what yeah. you meant, Jess, but that's how I'm reading it. And I'm curious what Will thinks.
1: <laughs> yeah, i I can think of two things that really stick out to me in the beginning. One is like, you gotta be passionate about what you're teaching. I think, uh, uh, man, we've been in those classes of like the professors or teachers that you know they checked out 15, 20, 25 years oh ago gosh. and they're just going through the motions yeah. and you're like, yeah, if, if you're not excited about the material, then there's no way that you know uh, your students will be. And it is something that you, by teaching, by learning more about the subject that you're actually teaching, you can kind of get more excited as well. So like I wasn't a huge physics buff when I was in high school or college, but through teaching, I like discovered some of the beauties of it. And I think I, not hyperbolically, but definitely lean into being really enthusiastic about the learning process to help my students also gain some, some enthusiasm. On the flip side of that, I think it's important not to always be on because that's a little annoying I think when mm. uh, when your teacher is like oh boy oh boy now we're going to be doing um more equations today this is so exciting look at all these problems it can be hard to match your teacher's energy when you're just like sometimes my, my students are like Mr. You have, what? So we're not feeling it today you know <laughs> and I think to keep your students interested meet them where they are match energies. And so sometimes when it's early in the morning, I know I have to give them a little bit more energy so they can match me, but sometimes I think it's up to me to match their energy and be like, "Man, I'm not feeling it today either, y'all. This has been a long, long week. Let's get through this, huh? What should we get started with?" And I give them a little bit more autonomy in the class, give them a little bit more direction for how we want to do our class. That way, like when they're not feeling, at least they feel like we're in this still together right we're still in this together Mm -hmm. so um like enthusiasm at times but also like being able to understand when things are just kind of boring and be like y'all this is kind of boring right now i feel you let's still try and hit these main ideas because they will actually be useful even though we all know it's kind of boring right now and let's like kind of set aside some time to make sure we can do things that are still fun for us and uh i think that's a helpful ways yeah (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's so, uh, I mean, I like the when you said, you know, that professor who's checked out 15, 20 years ago. And like, when I think about those professors, I'm like, why did I not like them? Because they didn't care at all about what they were teaching. So yeah. I, I think, <laughs> yeah, which is really unfortunate, but like, you know, I got a class in order to get the degree. So sometimes you got to do it anyways. And as a student, sometimes I'd be like, well, if the professor is super boring and doesn't care, mm-hmm. then maybe we can come up with like fun ways to interact with the material uh that are Mm -hmm. super ridiculous or something, but still just makes Mm -hmm. it fun and just have just be a little bit more lighthearted about it. So yeah.
1: Thank you for that. that Lighthearted aspect. Also, um, not all of your class has to be spent on like class time. I feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of times we feel really stressed as teachers to use the most of our like small 40, 50, 60 minute classes. But sometimes you can get a lot more done if like 10 minutes of that is just like doing nothing related to what you're learning. Um, And so that's something I learned from some summer teachers who just like would take breaks and just like play games with their students that are so not subject related (laughs) to just kind of get our energy going back up again. So I think something that helps me is kind of that relatability factor of like, hey, do you want to play some like let's start some GeoGuessr today in class or let's do some Yo or Aww, like, hey, let me talk so to you fine. about this last anime I just watched and like, and the few anime watchers in the class will be like, oh, I'm down for this
0: conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. They were like, oh my God, I've never related so much to a teacher before. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the hour. So thank you so much, Will, for being on the show today. I love the conversation me. that we had. Yeah. Um, will, where can people learn more about you, your work, this topic, mm. et cetera?
1: Mm. So I stream Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at twitch.tv slash yuvern. So that's W-Y-U-V-E-R-N, kind of like Wyvern the Dragon, but with my initials, Will U, W-U. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's where I got that from. Awesome. Um, and yeah, <laughs> all my other social handles are the same on Instagram, Twitter, uh, I'm going to try and make some some like educational TikToks in the future. But yeah, I mostly stream Ooh. on Twitch. And uh, yeah, that's where we do kind of just chatting, conversations around education, around success. Um, our community is really, really like awesome and supportive and inclusive. And so I just like creating these spaces where uh, we get to kind of be vulnerable with each other and also... Uh, I feel like in pandemic, we we all are like searching for more connections, right? So yeah, um, I hope that uh, if any of y'all are interested, come come by the Twitch channel and come hang out. Uh, we do like some podcasts like Mayako, some co-work streams, and uh, every now and then we'll also play some games like Valorant or Genshin Impact or things like that.
0: Awesome. Definitely check out Will. I think just y'all have been here. Y'all know his energy is infectious, so like definitely make uh, make sure to check out his Twitch streams. And that's the show. Thank you so much to Will for being a guest. You can find him on Twitch and Instagram at yuvern. And thank you for listening. Share with me what you found helpful in today's show, what you related with, what you liked, or suggest future topics and guests by tagging me on social media at hellomayuko. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. I hope you take care and I'll see you in the next episode.